So my mama used to say, back when I was a little kid, boy, make sure that your computer don't get hacked. Because if it does get hacked, you ain't gonna have no gas. And you know what, mama? We ain't got no gas. So as 2021 continues its campaign to be as memorable as 2020, it continues to build on the problems created in 2020. The issue at the heart of this show is the gas shortage that was started by the pandemic and worsened by a recent cyber attack. Let's make it happen. And before we get too far into it, let's remember that Lessons from the Screen is a show where we give you a review of whether or not a show or any particular information that you can get from any particular screen of any particular kind is worth your time. We waste our time, our energy, and our brain power so that you don't have to. You're very welcome. Lessons from the Screen is sponsored by Pax Inc., a black activist advocacy and think tank organization with the purpose of increasing the quality of life for black people in America through education, the culture shift, and economics. You should most definitely go and check them out at www.pactsinc.org. That's paxinc.org. Leave a review, leave a comment, tell a friend to tell a friend. Check out the Learning Center, read a book, volunteer, do whatever you can. Like I said, to help them because they're doing everything they can to help you and if you are a amazon shopper a big time amazon shopper make sure that you support them by going to amazon smile and making sure that pax inc is selected as your nonprofit organization so that everything that you buy from amazon will contribute to amazon's contribution to paxinc.org so let's get into it friday may 7th the Colonial Pipeline System, which is responsible for transporting 45% of the total oil for the entire east coast of the United States and is the largest domestic pipeline company in the country, reported that its systems had been hacked and oil flow through the pipeline had been stopped. As of today, May 11th, the main pipeline still hasn't been reactivated, but smaller lines have been, and states have responded in various fashions to prevent gas shortages. But because of COVID, things are just bad. One of the things that is being suggested is having tankers transport product, but there is a huge difference between the roughly 200 barrels of oil a tanker truck can hold and the 2.5 million barrels a day that can be transported by the pipeline. That would also require waiving the Jones Act, which requires trade between ports in the US be carried by ships built owned and operated by U.S. citizens or permanent residents. The Jones Act was passed in 1920 with the Merchant Marine Act of 1920 as a protectionist piece of legislation meant to regulate goods between ports in the country and provide protections for crews and jobs for Americans. You like that? I did the little sideways, you know, you know, I mean, trying to get in, anyways. Pipeline runs from Texas to New Jersey, going through most of the Southern states in a 5,500 mile trek. One of the biggest problems with using tankers, which really is the only manageable short-term solution, is that because of COVID, there isn't anyone to drive the trucks. When, a country, when the country shut down, fuel usage slowed, meaning that demand slowed, meaning that companies that no longer had cash flow or transportation demand slowed in their hiring and employing of drivers. 
The problem was so bad that one company said that they had shifted to delivering Amazon products in order to keep their drivers in the job. And we all know that people weren't going nowhere in their cars, but they were showing up clicky, clicky, ficky, ficky with their fingers on the Mewsy Wewsy because Amazon has been doing a wonderful business with the shutdown. Absolutely wonderful. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But many drivers opted to retire. Many were laid off and many were kicked out because of new EPA regulations that dictated that drivers with alcohol or drug charges couldn't drive anymore. Now this problem was already bad as twice as many trucks were sitting around waiting for drivers as usual because of the aforementioned issues. But now that people are starting to drive again as the country opens up and those driving positions haven't been filled yet, America was already facing a transportation crisis in general, especially when it comes to transporting fuel, meaning that America was already in the middle of a fuel crisis. Even the cyber attack itself has become weird. While the group guilty of doing the task has announced that they were the ones that did it, they're also kind of sort of apologizing for it. The group Dark Side, great name, believed to be based out of Russia while not believed to have any attachments to the Russian government at the moment, anyways, you, you know how that goes, announced on their deep web website, that means that you can't find the website by Googling it, that they never wanted to cause social harm and that moving forward, they would ensure that the targets attacked by them or their partners are not targets that will cause problems. In fact, they have a list of companies that they will not attack on their website. Government agencies, nonprofits, educational establishments, and medical establishments are all on their list of do not attack. And they have also announced that they plan on giving some of their ransomed profits to charities. You know, and it's a real Robin Hood-esque organization we got going on here. But not only do they create and use ransomware, they also allow others to use their software, hence the partners, as long as they get a cut of the profits. And that is probably what happened here is the group also hinted at not being aware that their software was used to attack until after the attack was underway. Now, the software finds a way into a system, usually through a compromised email address or some other connective weak spot, and from there finds data and encrypts that data, delivering a message to the users that they will need to pay a fee in order to get the decryption key to get their data back. And the company says that they will never ask for more than they know. And by the company, I mean the company that created the ransomware software said that they will never ask the company that they have stolen or locked down data from to pay more than they can pay. And they say they do their research. They do, they've done their research to make sure that they know what a reasonable price is to demand for a ransom for their data. And with the increased need for systems to be connected to the internet, because one of the ways that used to be able to negate this kind of stuff was to have an internal intranet that wasn't connected to the internet that they just couldn't get into but now with things needing to be connected to the internet because everybody wants efficiency and this that and the third this is a problem that isn't going away anytime soon 
Now, an interesting thing about the software is that it doesn't encrypt systems coded to run in the Russian language, which is why people believe that the organization is based out of Russia. But again, Biden has assured us that the intelligence community has assured him that at this time there is no evidence of the Russian government being involved. However assuring that is. Biden will be meeting with Putin for the next steps moving forward. So why would the company be targeted in the first place? Who knows, honestly. It's hard to think that a group wouldn't know that this attack would potentially have some social consequences given the size of the company, which really makes me think about something. And I have no proof to back this up, what I'm about to say. This is all just me connecting dots that may or may not need to be connected. But in the summer of 2020, this same pipeline company was responsible for an oil leak that saw 1.2 million gallons fall into a nature preserve in Huntersville, North Carolina that took them five days to repair. And they still haven't finished cleaning up, recovering 800,000 gallons of gasoline and 200,000 gallons of contaminated water. That was a five foot long crack in one of the lines that they had to repair. They didn't have to pay any fines and they received no significant blowback to this whatsoever when it happened just last year. The company also had a leak and an explosion occur along the line in Alabama in 2016, a leak in Virginia in 2015, and a leak in Tennessee in 2010, and that's just the last decade. It's been a very busy decade for them and they just can't seem to contain all that gas. And I know it's not just gas, but I felt like that was a funny joke to make, so I made it. But shouldn't this company be difficult to attack? And why haven't we learned from all the other ransomware attacks that have crippled American infrastructures like the one that hit medical facilities a few years ago? Well, the weak points in any system are going to be the human access points or really any point that involves humans because humans are humans and we like to have easy passwords that we can remember that are similar to every other password we use. We like to open emails that look funny and we also tend to ignore the ones that look like they should be opened immediately. And we in mass don't bother to learn about the systems we're using or how to safely operate them before we start using and operating them. Not saying that the opening for this attack was created by a human, but I am saying that humans are part of the software system that is very difficult to upgrade. In any case, this company just didn't have the infrastructure in place to prevent something like this from happening, clearly. The company has been hit in the past by the EPA for having subpar systems, something else that probably put them on the radar of digital gangs. And it looks like they might still be, still be in need of a large system overhaul. But let me flip this angle because I know it's easy to blame the company and say that they shouldn't have let this happen. But the fact is that attacks like this are difficult to stop. If a cyber group has you in their sights, they are coming. You can make things more difficult and hope that they give up before they get through. But if they are focused, they will eventually get into your systems. The entire nature of defense tactics is to be proactive to a reactive situation, meaning the attacker will usually have the advantage. Cybersecurity is no different. In most cases, you don't know that a hole exists until something crawls out of it and bites you in the ass, which is essentially what happened. 
But three scenarios have been put forth as to the potential effects of this situation. One is that there is a partial restart or a full restart within five days, in which case there will be no significant or lasting impacts. Two, if it remains shut for up to 10 days, the refiners may need to reduce how much crude oil they process, which will cause crude oil prices to fall as inventories rise in other parts of the US, namely the US Gulf Coast. But there would be a spot of shortages in the southeast and price increases in the east in general and we're seeing the price increases if it takes more than 10 days armageddon we're all gonna die not quite but refiners will have to reduce their production even further oil prices will weaken and there will be a significant shortages in the southeast now gas prices were already on the rise as well and expected to continue to surge into the summer and according to the bureau of labor and statistics were primarily were the primary contributor to the price increase of goods and services in america gas prices were up 22.5 percent over where they were this time last year in April, nearly a full month before their pipeline ransomware attack. The overall price of goods in March was the highest it's been in nearly nine years, and at the pump, prices were expected to reach a three-year high this summer. But the energy secretary did say moments ago that they wouldn't tolerate price gouging. And what determines whether something is price gouging or not centers on reasonability, which is subjective in nature. So, Anyways, here we are on Tuesday with the pipeline shut down, no potential end in sight, and gas prices on the rise. Other transportation and oil production plants getting shut down by the EPA for violations, and the cyber gang hacking and shutting down the largest oil pipeline in America, and apologizing or saying, whoops, we didn't mean to cause you guys problems? Ain't that about a In response to this, a number of states have declared an emergency. Here in North Carolina, the governor has declared an emergency lifting our restrictions on drivers. For all the good that'll do if you don't have drivers to, to, to drive those extra hours. But some weight limitations on trucks have been lifted and other things have been done to try to alleviate the situation or allow the state to get through for the foreseeable future. Now, things are going to be tight and people are going to have to sit still yet again. They are urging people not to flood the pumps to fill their gas tanks as that will make the situation worse, similar to what happened with toilet paper. But that isn't going to happen, of course, because we've already seen pictures of extremely long lines at the pumps and people were doing that before they even said anything and they probably said something to try to get people not to do it. But people are going to be people. There's really nothing else you can do about that. But this is an interesting situation because yet again, just like with toilet paper, it creates the scenario where you have to wonder whether or not it's fair or it's right or it's moral for us to potentially create problems for other people because we're stocking up on something we don't really need at the moment because we might need it in the future. For all of the talk about how altruistic and morally conscious and good and right human beings are, to me, this is another example that people are essentially selfish assholes. And I know it's really easy for me to sit here and say that because I can also easily sit here and say that 
I did not rush out to fill my car up with gas, but I can, I also have to admit that my wife pretty much said that it's a dog eat dog world out here and you gotta play the game the way the game is, is going to be played. And so she went and got gas. So, but it's an interesting question because people are gonna rush out and get gas now that they don't need right now in preparation for there being a gas shortage and them needing gas. And many of these same people will not restrict their travel in any way because they have gas. And then next week, if it goes into next week, when there is no gas, because everybody got all of the gas that was left this week, they're going to be sitting around frustrated and complaining about there being no gas and how they have places they have to go. It's a real nice situation where you create a future problem and then blame the initial issue for the future problem that you created by responding to the issue the way that you responded to it. We saw that with toilet paper. We see that with hand sanitizer. We see that cycle happening all over the place in human nature. That's an interesting question. How do you guys feel about that scenario? How do you feel about that, that quagmire, that conundrum? Are humans just messed up or is this just the world we live in? Or I'm interested to know what you guys think about that. But one thing is brutally clear. Humans like to be faced, especially when we're facing ourselves. We seem to enjoy it a lot more than freaking other people. Although it's kind of comparable because humans really seem to love freaking other people as well. So I think at the end of the day, the lesson to be learned from this story is humans like face palms. Lessons from the screen.